11 to 1 on LMFM. My next guest grew up in the middle of nowhere, she says, between Lusk and Ballybahal. And being a very creative child, she started writing and penning her own poems at the tender age of eight. And by the time she was a teenager, writing had become a full-blown passion. But she never thought she'd be a published author until much later in life. But her dream became a reality in 2013 when the Telltale Collection, uh, her book, was released when she was still in college. And now she has released another work. It's called A City of Symphony. It's set in real time and it's a collection of 13 stories depicting the lives of 13 ordinary people living in Dublin. Her own creative journey is also narrated through the collection as she attempts to find her place amongst the city that she feels is disappearing. I'm delighted to be joined now on the line by author Maeve Devoy. How are you doing Maeve? I'm good, Sinead. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you back on 11 to 1. Now, I haven't had the privilege of reading the book, just a short excerpt earlier on, but uh, from all I'm reading about it, it sounds really, really interesting. Does it have the same kind of a vibe as the Humans of New York videos where you have ordinary people going about their day in New York and they kind of stop and share their story? It's that kind of a vibe, is it? Yes, no, no, it absolutely is. And it's, uh, you know, Humans of New York is actually one of my favourite, um, I suppose, Instagram, you know, they're my favourite Instagram posts, getting to catch a glimpse of all the people. But no, that's exactly it. It's just trying to, I suppose, take a look at all the different characters that exist in Dublin City. You know, I know there's only 13 stories, but uh, they're all very different with some similar themes. But uh, it's just, it's, I really wanted to kind of show the diversity that exists. You know, I think we, we kind of pass each other by so easily these days. Oh, this is exactly it. And we don't kind of, you know, stop to kind of think about what other people are going through. And I definitely want to come back to that point. But, you know, everybody, I, I've discovered this as a journalist and as a presenter here, everybody anywhere from any background has a story and you have a fascination with uncovering these and sharing them with the world. So where does this curiosity and fascination come from? I'm not, to be honest, I'm, I've just always loved hearing people's stories and as you say everybody has one and you know a lot of people you know you'll be talking to them and they they turn around fairly quickly and say that they don't have a story and then mm. you know if you're talking if you only spend only 10 minutes talking to them you'll find out that they'll have something you know unique or something special that even just an interest they, that they have or you know there's we all have our we're all different in our own ways I suppose but um even when I was you know a kid traveling my mom would always say I was always more focused on you know, running, kind of going around and talking to everybody than, you know, I suppose looking at all the sites and things. <laughs> so you've got this nat- natural kind of fascination with people, which is great. And, you know, there's 13 characters in the book. I know you could have included a lot more, but it would have been a massive project. Uh, you interview everybody from a homeless couple to a scientist to a mother. So tell me about the people that you met for this. Um, when I kind of, I was living around North Strand for, you know, five years or so. And I was, it was kind of my first time really experiencing being a part of a community. So I kind of met a lot of characters naturally just, you know, from, I suppose, cycling around and walking around. And then kind of through that and also my work with Dublin Simon, I had the book club, you know, for the homeless there for a while and which will hopefully actually be getting back on its feet very soon. Um, but it's just, I just started to come across all of these different people, as I said, kind of naturally. And, mm. you know, I think I spend a good bit of time with the people that I had interviewed for the book. So a lot of the relationships were were kind of already there. And then 
there is a, a lap dancer in there and a few other kind of surprise stories that's you know the titles don't really give them away but I kind of then kind of went looking for some of them you know with her story especially I kind of wanted to show uh, her story is actually called The Accountant but it's you know this idea of I suppose to kind of demystify some mm. sort of themes I suppose and to kind of Changed perspectives, I suppose, is a huge thing. I think we kind of, in our, sometimes we have it in our minds, we've kind of already made up our minds, I suppose, about, you know, certain people or different mm. things or what, or jobs and all these sorts of things. And I kind of wanted to, I suppose, maybe pe- help, try and make people think twice about, you know, I suppose, what they're, how they were stereotyping people or, as I said, what they were kind of, maybe what they were judging them on before or hopefully yeah. changing their perspective. I, I love that. I love that you haven't called the chapter the lap dancer because, as you say, <laughs> straight away when you said that, I was a little bit like, I, I've just judged that person in my mind as you've yeah. said that. So this is exactly what you're talking about. And it's about kind of changing our, per- our perceptions and challenging our own selves about these kind of stereotypes and all of these different things that we place on these people, which I, I love that. Um, a, a little boy on a tricycle does make an appearance a few times. Tell me about him now. So as I said, I was living around North Strand and literally one day I kind of hadn't really intended on including myself in the book at all. And then, uh, you know, I was at a Bonfire, which is in the, I suppose, in the voices of the first, it's in one of the first stories. And it was kind of my first time being, you know, invited into the community and kind of, you know, down for Halloween and stuff. So I was really, really excited. And when I was leaving, I kind of noticed everybody was staring at me and I didn't know why they were staring at me. So I was getting really paranoid. Um, And eventually I kind of spun around and I tripped. There was, you know, this young boy in a tricycle. He'd been following me all the way from the bonfire up to um, up to North Strand and when I turned we kind of tumbled over each other and he ended up kind of breaking his tricycle when I came down oh god and onto the ground I didn't break it it just you know started making this noise because okay. it was kind of a little bit bent out of shape but I, I literally kept bumping into him and kind of the more I saw him and then the more I kind of inquired with, you know, the community and other people who might have saw him, it turned out that he was kind of always peddling around and up to some up to some sort of mischief. So that's how okay, I kind so of he, found he, myself. He, he is actually real because part of me was kind of thinking maybe he might be a ghostly sort of spectre or something. That's good. <laughs> no, <Okay>. no. No, <laughs> he's real. Honestly, I was like, you know, I think that's, it just kind of goes back to that same thing. You know, if you're not, as I said, we kind of pass each other by. And if I, mm. if I literally hadn't, you know, turned around and fallen over him, I probably wouldn't have noticed him. Yeah. But it was it was a, a hobby of his because a friend of mine actually knew him and he used to, you know, he'd followed her around quite a few times as well. He was just shy, I think, I suppose, and kind of kind of a bit of an outsider. But peddling away there to his heart's content. And, and how did people react then to you wanting to share their story? Obviously, names and identities are very much protected in a really lovely way here. But uh, how did they react to being included here? Um, I a lot of the, you know a lot that the, there's there's some tough issues in the book which mm. I was kind of you know even when I was writing them I was you know kind of worried if I'm you know am I being you know should I just say it exactly as they told me and a lot of them pretty much that's exactly what they wanted you know wanted me to you know to use their voice I yeah. suppose and to not shy away from them so I kind of with the I suppose dealing with the tougher issues for their sake told it pretty much exactly as how they told me. 
Yeah, and uh, the, the yeah. excerpt that I uh, managed to get my hands on today was the bookmaker, which was really, I was right there in that car with him. It's really descriptive <laughs> and it's really well written, that, that part of it. Um, money uh, is a big theme that runs through the book that kind of connects the characters a little bit. Yes, I was kind of, you know, I think especially kind of, go, I had it in my mind to try to go from, you know, the homeless couple, you know, begging and, you know, picking up old cigarette butts off the ground and, you know, smoking them and collecting them and, you know, you know celebrating when they find, you know, a cigarette butt that has, you know, a good bit of tobacco in it and kind of just, I suppose, traveling through the city, but in, I suppose, looking at how people make money and how they value it. Yeah. You know, there's, especially if you're talking about the bookmaker, his, how he makes money all depends on chance and him trying to, you know, manage his odds. Oh, and totally. Trying to take the gamble out of it and then, you know, the accountant and then the mother. Like, they're just, I suppose, every story takes, looks at money and, as I said, with those ideas in mind and kind of looks at it in a different way. Yes, it really does. And and like that, the bookmaker's one, you're kind of a little bit, I was a little bit anxious reading that part because <laughs> you're kind of going, oh God. Uh, but, uh, you know, you we, we talked about the 13 characters uh, in this, but really you're narrating your own story as well about kind of where do I belong, you know, in the city and also you're kind of, where do I belong creatively, uh, you know, because artists, would they worry about these things, don't they, Maeve? Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Cheapers. <laughs> Worry about so many things. No, I think especially at the time, it was, you know, rents just were going up constantly. And I was working in a hotel, you know, doing 10 days in a row and back, you know, late shifts into early shifts and all sorts of, you know, just mad things. And especially dealing with the guests and the customers. There's just, I suppose it's can. It can it's be a, a bit lot. of a battle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? it's a lot. Yeah, but it's but it's not just me. You know, I suppose so many people are were feeling you know the same, like a little bit lost, and then you're looking around at the city and it's disappearing. You know, our you know culture is going, and there's even heritage sites that are kind of disappearing. It's kind of this, you know, there's just hotels on top of hotels, really. Yeah, because this uh, city that you're describing in the book, kind of, this is really strange to say because it doesn't kind of exist anymore. You've written this back in 2016 or 17, you started doing this, yes? Yes, absolutely. That's even how I, I start the book. The first lines are, you know, what you're about to read no longer exists because it, it really doesn't. And I think even now, I suppose after the last two years, we're going to be talking about an entirely different city again. Mm. It just seems to keep transforming. Yeah, and I mean, a, a lot of the, a lot of this, is, it's actually very serendipitous, actually, just thinking now because that you're on with us today, because <laughs> earlier on I was speaking to Declan Gorman, he's a theatre making and he, maker, and he's um, bringing a reworking of James Joyce's story, The Dead, from the Dubliners to the stage, which is also a love letter to the city oh, wow. of Dublin. So this is kind of a little bit of a love letter to the city of Dublin today, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I kind of, it's, funny that you're speaking to the Dubliners. I'd always kind of had it in my mind that I would try to aspire to write, you know, I suppose like a modern day Dubliner. It's not that, you know, she, Joyce is Joyce. I don't think it could be easily imitated. Um, but no, absolutely trying to, I suppose, just put it down and give, I suppose, it's try, I'm just trying to capture a glimpse mm. of a certain time. Yeah, really and truly. And ju- judging from what I've read, you've managed to, to do just that. It's called The City of Symphony. How can people get it? It's available through your website, yes? Yes, and there's there are a couple of shops that are also stockers, but it's just easiest to Google me and The City Symphony and you'll find... My website is Mad for Tales, but it's links for it will come up once you Google me in the book. 
Fantastic. Maeve, I wish you the best of luck with it. It sounds like a fantastic read. Really looking forward to getting my hands on it myself. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Nate. Have a great day. Thanks a million. Maeve Devoy, interesting, very, very interesting. A City Symphony, it's called, and uh, you can get it. It's out this week. You can order it, Mad Four Tales, the number four in the middle, dot com. But if you Google Maeve, you'll, you'll find it there as well. And yeah, dying to get my hands on it. 11 to 1 on LMFM. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.